Well, good evening, everyone. My name's Simon. I'm one of the ministers here, and what a privilege to be able to share with you on this special occasion. What a year it's been. The whole world has been at war with an invisible enemy. It actually began on the 31st of December with an announcement of human transmission COVID-19 in Wuhan, China. And by Easter time, the whole world was closed down in a global pandemic. 65 million cases and 1.5 million people and counting who've died from this terrible virus. The IMF estimate that the cost to the global economy is 22,000 billion pounds, 22 trillion. These are unfathomable amounts. But stark statistics don't really convey the trauma and the tragedy that so many people across this world have suffered this year. Scripture says, on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And thank God for that light. We thank God for the light that has dawned with the creation of three vaccines that are able to treat and protect against this terrible virus. The year began with looming threat, and as we come to the end of the year, there is a sense of hope and relief, optimism for the coming year. And these three vaccines are a bridge. They're a bridge to life, a bridge over the troubled waters of this year. And this evening, I want us to think about Christmas as a bridge. The novelist Gladys Tabor wrote that Christmas is a bridge. It's a bridge in many ways, but primarily it is a bridge between humankind and God. Christmas has always been a bridge. Christmas time, uh, the 25th of December, was the time when uh, pagans celebrated the winter solstice. That winter had spent itself and that the days were beginning to grow longer and lighter. In the ancient Greek calendar, the winter solstice marked the start of the new year. We've come to the end of a year. We're beginning a new one. And the early Christians chose this season to remember the coming of Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ, because it was a bridge, a bridge not just simply into the new year, not just a bridge out of a cold winter and long dark nights, but it was a bridge to God, a bridge to life. I want to think this evening briefly about a verse that is I've been journeying with these last few weeks of Advent. And these are words from St. Paul in a letter that he wrote to a church in Colossae. And he wrote this. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. 
and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed at the cross. Let me just offer three reflections upon that statement. The first thing that stands out to me is this, that God was pleased. That verse, that saying of St. Paul is all about Christmas, about what happened then on that first Christmas. And the great emotion of heaven on that first Christmas was the pleasure of God. He was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in bodily form in Jesus. No one was more excited about Christmas than God. You know, we often use a a rather archaic little phrase, Merry Christmas. We don't really use the word Merry that often, but we often associate it with Christmas. Well, I find it interesting that the word Merry comes from an old English word, myriga, that simply means pleasing. It's a Christmas word. Pleasure, delight, joy, being thrilled. These are Christmas themes. Why? Because that was the great expression in the being of God at that first Christmas. He was absolutely thrilled. No one loves Christmas like God loves Christmas. Most people start their Christmas present preparations a few months ahead or if you're pragmatic and smart you might start buying presents in the January sales but God was preparing Christmas since Adam and Eve turned their back on him for millennia God was working at the details of Christmas when he was going to put all things right. And he set up his own advent calendar hundreds of years before Jesus appeared. We've been hearing about it in some of these readings. And little windows were constantly being opened up on this Christmas. Prophecies and promises and portents in the sky. Signs, offerings that God was at work and something amazing was being planned and about to happen. Millennia in the planning, meticulous in the detailing, and the whole universe was pregnant, awaiting this thing that God was working, God building a bridge. That's why God was so pleased when his eternal son is poured into humankind. That's why God was so pleased. Because he was building a bridge and he was crossing the divide and he was traversing the ravine as it were and he was bridging the gap between us and him that we had opened up. You see, God made us like him for him. God made us to be in relationship with him, but he gave us free will so that we could love him and respond to him freely. But in our free will, we chose to go our own way and do our own thing and not have him in our life. We walked away, but God didn't walk away from us. Far from it, God worked away so that we could be restored to him. This is what Christmas is all about. 
And Christmas is a party that God throws. Christmas is a bridge that God builds. Christmas is a bridge that love builds. If you take God out of the Christmas season, all you have is what C.S. Lewis said, winter, winter, always winter, and Christmas never comes. I mean, imagine putting up in your house a rotten old Christmas tree whose pine needles are falling down, there's no tinsel, no baubles, no lights, and no presents. Fat lot of good, that is. But many people, that's all their Christmas will ultimately amount to if they don't understand the purpose behind it, which is God's throwing a party and building a bridge for us to meet him. Now, there's always party poopers and those who aren't pleased with God's party at Christmas, those who'd rather live in the shadows. You know, the communists banned Christmas in the Soviet Union. And instead, they chose to celebrate the birth of that mass murderer, Joseph Stalin, on the 18th of December. You take your pick. Pay your money and take your choice. Which would you rather? The savior of the world or a mass murderer? The Islamists in North Africa and the Middle East, they banned Christmas. Secularists want to downgrade it to a festival to celebrate the cold weather. All a bit bar humbug, but none of that can tarnish. None of that can put out the light that the Lord lights. Christmas, God was pleased. In the movie, I haven't read the book, but I hope it's a, a, a faithful acting out of the book, A Passage to India. Said in the 19th century, the British Raj, the British occupation of India. There is a scene, and it's called The Bridge Party. It's the name of the chapter in the book. That's what it is. And there's a party that's thrown by this remarkable aristocrat, Mrs. Moore. And she invites, she wants to build a bridge between two communities, the Indian community and the upper-class expat British. So she throws a summer party, and she has it at a tennis court. And the party's awful because they all stay in their own groups, in their own communities on either side of the tennis court. And she speaks to uh, someone who's at the party saying, why aren't you integrating? Why aren't you building the bridge? This is a bridge party. And the chap makes this scathing remark. What a snob. He says, no one here matters. No one here matters. At the bridge party, no bridge is built because he thinks no one here matters. You know, at Christmas, everyone matters to God. And he builds a bridge and moves towards us in love. That's the first thing. We see that God is pleased. I'll be a bit quicker in the others. I got carried away then. Secondly, God was squeezed. It says God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus. Now this is the mind-blowing miracle and marvel of Christmas. We heard it in our reading. Unto us, unto us a child 
is born. In time, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. The eternal Son of God. From all eternity, Jesus, who dwelt with the Father, is born as a sweet child in time. And that's a bridge too far for some. They just can't get their minds around it and they don't even want to try. The second century philosopher Celsus said that we should be ashamed of the incarnation. He says, no God or child of God has descended or would ever descend. It's, it's a pantomime statement. We need people to respond and say, oh yes, he did. He really did. How can the great gulf between heaven and earth, God and humankind, holiness and sinfulness be traversed? How can that happen? Well, it can't happen from our side. And it happens from God's side. God makes the move. God takes the initiative. And in love, he comes to us. And he comes to us like us, as one of us. And the eternal Son of God is wed in virgin womb to human blood. And God becomes a human. The Son of God becomes the Son of Man in order to bring the sons and daughters of man to God. The great theologian Karl Barth said, God is not imprisoned in transcendence. A lot of people believe in God, but he's pie in the sky when we die. He's out there somewhere. You know, they, he's made the world and he's gone walk about. Not a bit of it. At Christmas, God was pleased to be squeezed into Mary, co-joined with human flesh. Fully God, fully man. Deus as a fetus. What an amazing thing. What condescension. And the contraction of God to a span. What is it? The immensity cloistered in a womb. You know, C.S. Lewis in The Last Battle, talking about Narnia as being larger on the inside than it seems on the outside when they come through the, the cupboard. You remember the story? Queen Lucy says this, in our world too, a stable once held something inside that was bigger than the whole world. What an extraordinary thing. At Christmas, God was pleased. At Christmas, God was squeezed. And then, thirdly, and finally, at Christmas, God was able to be seized. It says, through him to reconcile to himself all things, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Jesus is the reconciler sounds like a religious word, but it's a beautiful word. You know, the word there only occurs in the New Testament. It didn't exist in ancient Greek. It was a word, this word reconciliation, that was invented to describe what God does. He builds a bridge. You see, our wrongdoing, and we've all gone wrong, thought and said and done it, that separates us from a pure and holy God. But God doesn't give up on us. We, in our religious efforts, try to make ourselves right for God, but we can never build a bridge to him. So God reaches out. He comes to make a way for us 
He prepares that way. He builds that bridge. And he, he fits us. He covers our wrongdoing. And he gives us clothes, as it were, of his rightness that we can come and be with him. Paul says that God reconciles us to himself. We can't do it. He has to do it. And he wants to do it. And he did do it. And that's what Christmas is all about. Ken Poirot is a scientist and entrepreneur. He said this, you build a bridge by extending your hand. I really like that. And God built a bridge by becoming human and then extending his hands in love to us, open wide on the cross. Bridges are expensive. There's an amazing bridge between Sweden and Denmark. I've driven across it uh, in Oresund. It costs five billion to build. There's a bridge between China and Hong Kong, the Macau Bridge, 15 billion to build. The bridge that God built at Christmas was priceless. What price do you put on the death of the Son of God to bring humankind to him? You know, I looked up the, the, the origin of the word bridge. It comes from an ancient Indo-European word, buru. Do you know what it means? A log or a beam. And it's on that wooden cross, that log, that beam, that Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's a mystery and a marvel. But somehow, mysteriously, in his death, as he extends his hand to us, he pays, the sin, pays for the sins of the world. He breaks the power of sin and death. He dispels darkness and opens up light and life and a way to God. Jesus is born to die and he makes peace, says Paul, through his blood shed on the cross. The one who was laid in a manger, wrapped in linen swaddling, hung on a cross, wrapped in the sins of humankind and is laid in a tomb wrapped in grave clothes and three days later he rises again. But that's another story for another time. He is the bridge over troubled waters who willingly said, I will lay me down. Why? With this I finish, why? Why, why would he do that? Because God didn't want to envisage eternity without us in his life. That's why God built a bridge. Some of you will have been on those bridges. There's one in London I was on a little while ago. I took some photographs where people get little padlocks and lovers. They, they paint their names on the padlock and they attach it to the bridge and kiss one another and maybe get engaged or something. But they're called love lock bridges. You will have seen them. I love them. Why did Jesus do this? Why did the Father do this? Why Christmas? It's a love lock bridge. That's why. Because he loved you. Yesterday I was picking up my lad from university down in the West Country and we, we went to Bristol. He's in Bar. We went to Bristol where Tiffany and I, she's my wife, um, where we lived many years ago by the Clifton Suspension Bridge. And we went and walked across it and walked back. And I was reminded many years ago of her father 
coming down. And when we lived near it, we would go and walk across it every night. And um, we got to the bridge out on our walk, and he stopped and said, no, I'm not walking across the bridge. And he just waited. He had a fear of crossing bridges. We walked and came back, my wife and my mother-in-law, afraid to cross a bridge. I've been thinking about him. Tragically, my wife and my mother-in-law and myself, obviously we have crossed the bridge and come to trust in Jesus and come to know God and give our lives to him. My father-in-law wouldn't walk across that bridge either. And the invitation to you this evening, this Christmas, is cross the bridge. God at Christmas put out a bridge and said, come across it. The bridge is his son laid down. Come across it. Come to me. Come to life. Come to light. The question is, will you come? Well, we're going to have a presentation piece now. And let's think about these things. You're in this wonderful song. And then Mark will pull our service together.